As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. It's 10th time lucky as Brentford breeze into the Premier League. Meanwhile, Dougal's double makes tangerine dreams come true and marvellous more can make the third tier for the first time. This is the Totally Football League show in association with Paddy Power. Hey gang, hope you're good and enjoyed those EFL playoffs. Matt Davis-Adams here to guide you through the three big games across the bank holiday weekend down Wembley Way in the company of EFL goal centurion Sam Parkin. Good afternoon, Matthew. Good afternoon, Samuel. Also with us, winger turn broadcaster Adrian Clark. Hello, everybody. Hello. That was a rather tentative hello, Clarky. Um, it's all right. I'm just chilled. All right. Warming up. Uh, also with us, Mr. Wembley Hattrick himself from The Athletic. He brings the swag like nobody can. Don't mean to brag, but he's got it. Yeah, it's Ryan Conway. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing, Matt? You all right, man? <laughs> Yeah, good. I thought that me, you and the one other listener who likes wrestling would have enjoyed that intro. So, um, yeah, some some baffled looks across the Zoom. But yeah, we got it. That's the main thing. Um, Ryan, so you were at the you were at all three games this weekend. What, what was your main takeaway? It felt like we didn't get a classic match, but there was still plenty of dramas as there always is in these playoff finals. Yeah, I think my main takeaway was um, fans really can elevate an OK game into a really, really good game. So particularly that was particularly true with the the last game, the Morecambe Newport one, where you know it was it wasn't the worst game of football you'd ever seen. I actually thought in the first half it was bubbling up quite nicely, but it just kind of stayed that way throughout all of it and then in extra time got worse. But the atmosphere was incredible. You was just kind of thinking, yeah, this is a good game this. Whereas without fans, you'd have probably been like, ah, this this is a bit meh to, to be honest. So yeah, I think that was the that was the main thing was just yeah, fans really do elevate everything, man. Yeah, let's hope that that gets remembered in the, over the next couple of years. Um, okay, we'll start our look back next with the answer to the age-old question. Who'd win in a fight, a swarm of bees or a wedge of swans? Um, is that, is that what they're called, a yeah, wedge? Uh, apparently so, yeah. In flight, they're known as a wedge. Mm-hmm. Um, you're welcome. Every day's a school day. <laughs> Ivan Tony steps forward. Here he goes. Away to our right hand side. Tony! 
slides it towards Wurtz, so if he goes a little bit too far wide, Embremo's behind him, here it comes for a chance, it's 2-0! Marcondes strokes it home, Brentford double their lead, counter-attacking football, they hit Swansea on the break and they double the advantage, Brentford 2, Swansea 0. Nine times, nine times Brentford have tried. The tenth time they've made it. They've won a playoff campaign and they've done it at Wembley. And for the first time in 74 years, Brentford will play in the top flight of English football. So Brentford are back in the top flight for the first time in 74 years and just a season after they suffered Wembley heartbreak. Ivan Tony's pen and Emiliano Marcondes' goal, both in the first 20 minutes, enough to see off a disappointing Swansea side who finished with 10 men after Jay Fulton was sent off midway through the second half. Um, Clark, it, it kind of felt like it was all over it after 20 minutes. Swansea had that brief revival in the second half, but am I being too basic to say one team turned up and the other didn't? No, not really. I, th- I think yes, Swansea will definitely have regrets. The first first twenty twenty five, they 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 weren't at the races. Probably got the the system wrong, and obviously the manager changed it. And and by that point, it was pretty too late. But yeah, they it just got caught rabbit between the headlights, didn't they? That the, the two centre halves who'd been brilliant in the semi finals just got caught, didn't they? For the for the penalty, a little bit square and and flat footed, didn't track the run properly. And and then of course they got got done by a a brilliant counter. But even so, you looked at the way they tracked back and, and it looked to me as if some of the players had had the good old fashioned Wembley jelly legs trying to trying to get back there. So so Swansea, yeah, will certainly have regrets. I don't think Brentford had to be anywhere near their best to win the game. Um, but but well done to them, blistering start, and and well done to Thomas Frank. I think the turning point maybe in their season was going to the three at the back towards the end there. And I just think he lost his left back, Rico Henry, absolutely pivotal player. And what what do I do? Do I crowbar a left back in and affect the balance of the team? Or do we come up with something new? And full credit to him and the players for, for adapting to a brand new formation. And let Sergio Canos, Delivered, didn't he? That 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 lovely little jink inside and, and slide rule pass for the pen from left wing back, and 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 that was a big, big moment. So yeah, well done to Brentford. They're a more rounded team this year, and uh, deserve to go up. Ryan, we've been big fans of Ivan Tony on, on the pod this season. He almost scored one of the greatest goals in in Wembley history, but it takes some stones to take a penalty like that at Wembley in the game that's worth, I don't know, 752 gazillion pounds. <laughs> he's just got massive bollocks though, hasn't he? <laughs> like, he just, he's just, so I'd written out my goal tweet before it even started the run-up. He's that, he's that automatic. Every single goal this season that he scored has been inside the penalty area. He's absolutely ruthless. Um, apart from the second, even the second half against Bournemouth, um, where I don't think he were at his best. I think he spurned two, two or three chances. But he's just, he's unbelievable. Um, he gets gets some stick for being a tapping merchant, but I actually think that does him a disservice because his movement is so very clever. 
And when when you are in those positions to have the tapping, you know, he just he just puts them away. I think it does him a disservice to how intelligent he makes his runs and and the subtle bits of movement to get across his marker or to just find half a yard of space. Even for the Marcondes goal, you know, he pulls over to the penalty spot, leaving this gap free that Marcondes could then hit because he's you know Ivan Tony's dragged the defender with him. He's he is without question the best striker in that division. No one else is even in his solar system. On it, they, forget it. No Adam Armstrong, Timu Puki. No one else is even remotely close to how good he is. Sam, your your best place, I suppose, to to give us a definitive take on this. What Ryan's talking about there, scoring goals in the penalty area. That's a real skill in and of itself, isn't it? You know, people like Gary Lineker, Olivier Giroud, even have made a career on that. You need that game intelligence to be in the right place at the right time, even if your goals come from two to six yards out more often than not. Yeah, yeah, you do. Um, yeah, I would completely refute any allegations of him being a, a tapping merchant. I probably scored four goals outside of the box in my whole career, and I certainly wasn't a tapping merchant. Um, you know, I'd, I'd like to think I scored a variety of goals during my my good couple of seasons. Um, and Ivan Tony is so much more than that. Um, he's got absolutely everything to, to his game. Yes, Gary Lineker. And Olivier Giroud being two examples who make countless runs in the box, you know, across defenders, across the near post. I think Gary Lineker used to say he used to make, you know, 20, 30 a game. And that one time when the defender switched off was when he finished. Well, Ivan Tony does that and some brilliant hold up player, brilliant finisher, um, a leader. And of course, has that nasty streak, which I've spoken about on this podcast countless times. Um it's, I think Mark Warburton said it's, um, it's not an arrogance, it's a bit of a swagger. And I think that gives him an edge over so many of the defenders, certainly in the second tier. And next season, people will hate playing against him because he's, he's a throwback. The following day, you'll have the bruises to remember the encounter because he's nasty with the quality. And that's what's going to make him a top player. He can go to whatever level he wants. He, he, he could play for England. He really could. The comparison that I, I found for him was Ruud van Nistelrooy. Just, I, I remember van Nistelrooy at Manchester United was was ice cold in, in the box. He was unstoppable. But also, I don't think got enough credit for, you know, he could he could drop deep and he was big, strong, could link could link the play. But you kind of always found him between the width of, of the post. And every time I watch Ivan Tony play, I just think he's Ruud van Nistelrooy. Like, and if he's that at the next level, well, Newcastle United fans will probably cry a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we've already seen Ollie Watkins getting England squads, and you know Patrick Bamford's being rumoured to to be uh, certainly w- w- was um, thought about for this squad for the Euro. So, in my mind, he's got all the attributes to to pass what those two have already done in the Premier League. Seriously, mm-hmm. um, on next season for Brentford, his his two contrasting viewpoints. Alex has tweeted the show to ask: Are Brentford more equipped to stay up than Watford or Norwich? They have a set way of playing as Leeds did and won't change in the Premier League. But then a quote from a Brentford supporter that Ryan spoke to in his playoff piece for The Athletic, who said, I think one of our biggest weaknesses is that Thomas Frank doesn't change. He keeps us playing the same way. And I think it's cost us points this season. If we go up, then we'll either do really well, perhaps just below mid-table, or he could be the first manager sacked. Is that a bit harsh, Clarkie? Because he did show that flexibility to switch for Yeah, I think it's a bit harsh. Yeah, I think previously he was a 4-3-3 man. And, and yeah, look, we saw in the in this game that they played on the counter-attack um, pretty direct, weren't they, at times? They didn't have to play through the lines that much. They certainly didn't dominate the ball for, for any length of time, but they're capable of doing that. So, no, I think I think they can mix it up. 
but I also feel that they they need they need additions. Clearly, I think if you go up into the Premier League, you, you need reinforcements where where those positions are. Pro- probably at the back, I would I'd suggest is 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 a place to start. But they've got goals, and I think that's a big advantage over a team like like Watford. I think with Tony and Embraer, by the way, who really without Embraer starting this game. Things could have been very different, couldn't they? I mean, it was his brilliant run for the pen and his amazing counter-attacking burst. And what, what I loved most about that, by the way, was that he was on the move, Brian and Bremo, when Andre Ayew had the ball. Andre Ayew had the ball in the box. He was already off because he anticipated them winning the ball back and he wanted to be in that space. So, so that was really clever. Um, so no, they've got, they've got good firepower, obviously, Norwich, um, Norwich are the best team in the championship and I think they'll do better this time around. So no, look, it's going to be a challenge for Brentford. I don't see them being a lead. I don't see them being top half material. They'll be near the bottom, but but no, with a few few reinforcements, they'll be okay. What about Swansea then? Next season, Ryan, I think is a really interesting one for them. It, you know, they could look to what Brentford have done, I guess, and and, and go again and, and say, well, it's possible for us to go up next time. But it, they're going to lose players, aren't they? I mean, Mark Gerhi's surely going to be a Premier League team on loan next season and, and there'll be people coming for others. It is going to be difficult to go again. Yeah, yeah, certainly. And and when you look at, like, even the talisman Andre Ayew will be a year older, at some point his powers will start to fade a little as well. Um, I think Cooper plays what um, was termed to me by Stu James and an assessment I agreed with when I watched them back a lot was a lot of tournament football. Not particularly expansive, kind of lock you up, make things squeeze the lines, make life hard for you, and, and win one and one or two nil. Are they going to be able to replicate twenty clean sheets for Freddie Woodman again? Freddie Woodman even going to be there? Like these are these are questions that yeah, it's going to be you know, and they don't have the biggest budget. It's going to be difficult to to piece that squad to you know together again. Um, so yeah, they 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 could go again, but I think it will be very difficult for them. Do you give the same guy another crack at it, Sam? This will be, well, it is two playoff failures in a row. Do you let him have a third go at it, Steve Cooper? Oh, it's, it's, it's difficult. I think having been down there so many times this season and, you know, done my research, listened to the Swansea podcasts, the, the feeling I'm sure amongst the majority of the supporters would be a change now. And that's not to say he's not done a good job. Obviously, the recruitment in terms of getting the loan players has been a big positive. I suppose the problem being is £4.5 million seems to be the rumoured figure to get him and his coaching staff out. Um, so whether someone's going to pay that, we'll have to wait and see. Obviously linked with, I think, Crystal Palace in the last days and, and weeks. But I think the Swansea supporters, yes, they'd have loved to have got promoted, of course, and be back in the Premier League. But I think they'd like someone to come in and, and play that football of old, the football to get you off the edge of your seats. The, the possession football, uh, have a little bit more attacking flair. That's what we grew, grew to love about Swansea in their, their their previous run to the Premier League and and stay in the Premier League. So I think that would be the general consensus. Whether it happens, it'll probably come down to finances. And also you need a decent replacement lined up, Adrian, don't you? It's, <laughs> yeah. it's one thing. Wanting yeah. to make the change, but you, you've got to have the right guy in situ. I think it'd be a risky manoeuvre because he's he's a very safe pair of hands. I mean, Steve Cooper might might hold the key himself. He, he might think, have I got the energy? Am I going to be backed by the club to 
to to have the budget to bring in the players that I think will take us to that that next level. Um, Ryan's right. I think the team needs a bit of a rebuild because the key men are low knees, aren't they? And I, I you like you say, probably just past his best now. So so yeah, they need four or five new faces in there. Um, yeah, so it's, it's an opportunity for someone new, I guess, to come in and do the rebuild. But would would that get Steve Cooper going again for 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 a third tilt? It. I th- I think he's a very very good manager, um, and he will be a success where, wherever he goes next. But and I think if he gets another year at Swansea, he, he could he could take them up. I genuinely believe he's he's decent, but um, but has he got that that drive and energy to do it himself there, where we know that they don't have huge money. I think they need a little bit more from Jamal Lowe as well. I'm a big, big fan of of his. And I think he had a good season, a solid season, without it being particularly spectacular. But I think if, you know, you look at Norwich and Brentford, um, who have got, you know, Pucky and and Tony, these proper strikers that will get you 20 20 league goals. And I think if if Jamal Lowe could um, become more predatory in, 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 in the box, he, you know, that would go a long way to, to getting them. I think playing some a bit more swashbuckling, free flowing style. He's a, he's a player that is really really hardworking, but sometimes you just think, just maybe do just tuck in and and stay, you know, closer to the boxer a, a little bit. But yeah, I think if they could get a little bit more out of him next year as well, that served them well. Yeah. I, I think it was a personnel issue rather than a Cooper issue. I think with a goal scorer, one extra, they left him. So he left himself too light up top. I think in terms of options, but you have to remember. That he lost the guy that he signed, didn't he? For the American, um, whose name escapes me, lost him quite early doors. And and Morgan Gibbs White as well was was a fantastic signing that had really sort of um, energised them inside the final third. And he got sent back to Wolves, so or got, or got taken back to Wolves. So so little things went against Cooper that that I think ultimately hurt the team. Jamal Lowe, in essence, would be better as a wide player, surely, had he have got a centre-forward. So, uh, again, I think both of you are right. I think Jamal Lowe would have probably prospered had he not had the added pressure of having to be the goal scorer, the main goal scorer, and had Jordan Morris stayed fit or a another. I think there's about to be a story possibly breaking. I think I saw this morning that they tried to go for a big striker in January or a proven goal scorer, and they didn't get him or Steve Cooper wasn't backed. So I think ultimately that was probably the big difference and would have certainly closed the gap between them and Brentford, which was quite a vast one at the weekend. Well, look, commiserations to Swansea. Uh, At least you get to feature on the pod next season. Congratulations to Brentford, though. We'll miss you. Uh, Thomas Frank summed it up nicely. To go into the Premier League now, Thomas, after this journey that you've been on, how well set are you? How much do you need to strengthen? Do you want to reward these players who've got you there? Right now, I just want to get so drunk tonight <laughs> and then tomorrow we can think about Premier League. Uh, before we leave the Championship, since we last met, Sheffield United have appointed Slavisa Jakanovic as they look to return to the Premier League at the first time of asking. Ryan, that feels like a, a decent appointment. He's, he's got the job done before in, in this division. He's, he's not a kind of flashy manager he's he's pretty straight down the line but he might be just what they need yeah no, knows his onions doesn't he in this division um he's proven track record and i think fits the 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 model of 
you know, kind of the the core identities that that Wilder had instilled in in the club uh, in terms of how how they are disciplined as a group and and those sorts of things. Now I'm sure they will he will change things. No point in bringing back in the same the same guy, but you know, in terms of a a mold that he fits, I think it's a really solid appointment um, and probably good for a bit of a coach change. And if they can make a crack at bouncing back at the at the at the first time of action, yeah, good appointment. I like it. They were so dreadful, Clarkie, weren't they, to all the, the second half of last season in particular. And, and you start to think about, well, well is, is it going to be a continual slide next season? But, of course, they've got the massive, massive bonus of parachute payments and now they've got an experienced manager. So if he wants to bring in new players, presumably there'll be money there for him to do that at a competitive level, championship budget-wise. Absolutely. Always the best chance to bounce back his first time because of the parachute payments, which I, I really do hope get binned off at some point. I'm not a fan of them. It it definitely gives relegated sides a, a huge advantage over the rest. And I think that money should be distributed more evenly. But but that's not the point for Sheffield United. Yeah, that they'll be strong. I've got no doubt about it. Jukanovic is, is proven in the Championship. He knows exactly what he's doing. And I think having a new voice in there will just shake things up. I mean, he's a tough guy. He will shake up a dressing room that basically has been in limbo. Since Wilder left, they were just treading water, weren't they? And that's it's a bad habit. There's some bad habits that got into the players. So it's really important that Ikanovic knocks that out of them during pre-season and gets them sharpened up for um, for what won't be an easy campaign. But I'd, I'd say that look, playoffs minimum for Sheffield United. They've, they've got the ability. Speaking of Chris Wilder, Sam, West Brom vacancy uh, still vacant at time of recording. He seems to to be the favourite for that. Would that be a decent appointment for them? It'd be a excellent appointment. I think rather than going for someone unproven in getting teams out of that level, yeah, I think he'd be he'd be first class. And um, I think both those guys, Jukanovic, um proven to be effective but also play good football so we'll get the supporters on side and we know that Chris Wilder has been very modern in his tactics I mean groundbreaking tactics really the the first to play a certain way that even I got bored about hearing about when they made up to the (laughs) Premier League because it was the go-to line wasn't it for the people um, not as well versus us championship aficionados that's the word I was looking for, Matt. Um, so, yeah, um, absolutely. I think Chris Wilder, he's probably going to have um, a lot of opportunities to choose where he wants to go, where his next port of call is, because he'll be in high demand given how well they did in the Championship and the subsequent season in the Premier League. Good. Right, that's the Championship done. We'll look back on the League One playoff final next. Euros are here, and you'd better make the most of them because they only come around every four, five years. So if your bookie isn't making you feel special, then maybe it's time to find a new one. Yep, not so much carpe diem as carpadium. Yeah? If the grass is greener on the other side, come and play on it. If your bookie's not giving you the best rewards, switch and you'll get a completely free £5 bet builder on all England's group games. Paddy Power. Pre-match bet builder bets only min. Two plus legs online exclusive. Must have previously deposited to avail. T's and C's apply. 18plusbgambleaware.org. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad free on The Athletic. This is the Totally Football League Show with Matt Davis Adams.
enters the penalty area. Johnson plays it across. He's nearly got it. It is in. Lincoln City have the lead. It's an own goal. Staggering. Utterly staggering. It's less than 30 seconds, I think. Embleton is still there in the D. Dougal shoots left foot. He scores. The Australian edge ripped it into the corner of the net. And now the right-hand side of the stadium is on fire. And Blackpool, not only have they grown into this match, they're levelling it now. Jerry Yates wants to turn. Instead, Dougal! Oh! And Kenny Dougal has his second of the game. Right into the corner. You do not stop those. It's taken 53 minutes for Blackpool leader Wembley. That's a free kick and that might be that, you know. He's not, he's, has he blown it? It's done, it's over! Yes, it. And Blackpool are up! Kenny Dougal's goal has taken Blackpool to the championship. Blackpool and Lincoln squared up in the League One playoff final and history was proved right as the Tangerines made it a record sixth playoff triumph while Lincoln lost in the end of season shakeup for the seventh time. A great response from Blackpool here having gone a goal down in the opening minute when Ollie Turton put through his own net this after Ellis Sims had pulled up lame right at the end of the final training session before the match. It was it was kind of close. I mean, there was a pivotal moment in this game. I thought Ryan when when George Grant hit the bar at, at one nil. But but again, maybe Lincoln believing this obviously with regrets that they didn't win, but also that they didn't play to their their maximum. Uh, yeah, I think I think to be fair to them, they had they had spells, but they they just seldom tested uh, Maxwell in in goal. To be honest, but they 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 did their approach play was was really good, and I think in um, Brennan Johnson. And um, uh, Morgan Rogers, um, I mean, they 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 are excellent. Um, they, and it's a shame that both of them will now probably go back to their parent clubs and maybe um, go on on loan in maybe Championship or something somewhere. But they Lincoln did have the the moments of applying pressure, particularly towards uh, towards the end um, of uh, you know when they're trying to get the the equaliser. This was a good game for me. This was the pick of the games. This was a good good match. Um, Blackpool play some lovely stuff. And and Lincoln when they when they were breaking their execution on counters was by and large pretty good. Um, the final ball just did let them did let them down. But th- this was fun. This was a fun match. Uh, Kenny Dougal's equaliser, Clarkey. Mm, should it have stood? Looked like there was a handball from Embleton no. in the build up. <laughs> in the in the Premier League, I think it it might get flagged up and VAR might might disallow it. But no, I didn't think I didn't I wouldn't have disallowed that one. I, I think it was. Just one of those things that happens that, that that used to probably happen a lot more often before we had so many cameras. It, it, yeah, I, I was happy for that goal to stand. I lo- what I loved about the goal was 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 Kenny Dougal's touch. He just dragged it across his body with his right foot to get it onto his left to hit it early, and he absolutely spanked it with it with his laces, didn't he? I, I thought it was a, a cracking goal, and then the second one to do with the right foot, just a little bit of fade on it. Two two brilliant goals. I mean, there are major question marks over Kenny Dougal's hairstyle, but in terms <laughs> of his ability to 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 strike from the outside of the box, absolutely outstanding. And uh, yeah, it, it was a game that needed a hero, and and he stepped up. Better team won. You know, they were they they were significantly stronger, I think, than 
than Lincoln on the day. And just going back to what Ryan said, they are really good on those transitions, Lincoln, but they didn't do it enough for me. They played a bit. They played the occasion rather than playing themselves. I saw a lot more sideways and backwards football from Lincoln in this game than I have done during the course of this season. They're at their best when they get it, move it forward, get it, drive. What happened here? Maybe the conditions, the slow pitch, the fact that it's a final. We saw them taking an extra touch, keeping the ball. And for me, they just didn't stretch Blackpool in the way that they were capable of. Um, so I think there'll be one or two regrets from, from their end too. I think the biggest regret might actually come from how they conceded the second goal. So the, the second goal is basically a carbon copy of the first goal and nobody picks up on the edge of the area again. Now, having been stung that way with Dougal coming onto that ball before, you you have to put a man there on the edge of the area. You, you can't afford him that kind of time and space. That, that to me, I think would be their biggest regret because it, it's such a basic thing that they don't get right. Sam, in terms of in terms of Blackpool, worthy winners on the day, I think. But also, if you look across the the whole season in League One, third in the table, managed the the, the playoff semi against Oxford brilliantly as well. And and Neil Critchley, my goodness me, for his first season managing a senior football team, it's a hell of an achievement. Yeah, best team since October, um, the end of October, and those first nine games, given the influx of of players, he was getting to know his squad and, and probably working really hard on the training ground to to decide which way he was going to go about fighting the the division. So, yeah, for it to come together so quickly deserves enormous praise. Echo what I heard over the weekend. Looks like the type of guy you'd like to play for. I presume he's very meticulous on the training ground in regards to his coaching, very knowledgeable given his background. Um, but it looks like a happy place and they were the best team by a considerable distance, I thought. I thought Lincoln... You know, weren't their usual selves. I was really disappointed in Hopper. If we want to talk about centre forwards for a moment, who'd been in such a good vein of form coming into this. I wouldn't say it was as simplistic as Jerry Yates was the difference, but Lincoln would have had a hell of a better chance had they had a bit more presence down the middle. And maybe Michael Appleton will will think about his setup in the, in the next few days and what he could have done differently because I just thought Hopper gave the ball away needlessly at times when he wasn't under too much pressure and that's not it wasn't just him there was a few Lincoln players that didn't really turn up on the day but no from from back to front um Blackpool were the better side they controlled the possession better they negated Lincoln's threat Johnson after that first 5 minutes when he was blistering and Garbutt had been booked so you're thinking oh good grief how are they going to deal with him stop the supply so tactically they were excellent and and in Yates they've got someone who's very secure in possession covers every blade of the grass and is a goal threat as well so um yeah you know with a few good additions they they could seriously consolidate and and have some great times coming back to Bloomfield Road and they they deserve it Yates was the best player, wasn't he? Even though Dougal deservedly gets the man of the match for, for, for the brace, Yates over the 90 minutes was ridiculously good. I thought he made he absolutely made the difference. And what I think Blackpool do to other teams is that they just suffocate them. They press really well. They, they, they're tight with the units. You know, they get their spaces right. You know, a little bit like Chelsea against City in the Champions League final. There's no room, was there, for... For City to play. I think that Blackpool are that sort of team that they can make you look quite average through good organisation, great industry and, and an appetite to work together. And and Critchley has fostered that that appetite, hasn't he, along with 
you know assembling them in a really disciplined and organized way so yeah they they'll be tough to tough to break down i think in the championship i don't see them being easy opponents for anyone I was going to say, and I think just to pick up on what Adrian said with the how they suffocate you and win the ball back and turn you over, in Dimitra Mitchell on the wing, they've got someone that will just get at you straight away. He's no frills, he's a direct dribbler, really nifty feet and can beat a man. And once you're starting to go the other way, hot stepping backwards as a defender, you're in trouble. <laughs> just like Adrian Clark, so I'm told, <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> um <laughs> Ryan, as you as you touched on in in your in your piece, this is a victory for for Blackpool supporters in every sense, I think, because so many of them had stayed away from the club for years. You know, some of them had been sued by the former owner. You know, those awful, awful Oysters and, and everything they did to to drive that club into the ground, essentially. And now they've got somebody who cares about the club in charge, and they deserved this, as trite as that sounds. You know, what I mean, they, they, to go through that pain, they deserve some happiness at the end of it. Yeah, for sure. And, and in, in in the piece, I almost wrote that it was a redemption arc, but it wasn't because the fans didn't have anything to be, you know, there was no, the club it, it, itself, the entity that was the club didn't need redeeming. It needs saving from the Oysters. But this was just, it was just cathartic. It was just, it was just nice. Every Blackpool fan I spoke to was just, you know, just bouncing everywhere. And, you know, the, the fellow with his son, Charlie, that I, that I spoke to, he just seemed... He just seemed contented, you know, that the club was was back where where he felt it belonged, and he was he even saying, oh, you know, maybe, maybe we can have a cheeky run at, at the Premier League as well. How, like, just how cool is it to have that ambition for your football club again, and not think of all the awfulness that that has that has you know that the Oysters have brought the you know to to the club. It was just, it was lovely. I, I was really really happy for for them. My, my dad's a Lincoln fan, so I'm I'm sorry that that they didn't go up, but like it was just such a nice thing for for Blackpool because yeah, they, they like they've been through some stuff and staying away from your club for for four years, boycotting and you know the the protests against Huddersfield. What was that in 2015 when the, the went on the pitch and and all that stuff, all that awfulness. It's just. When it, it makes it worth it for days and moments and hope like that. Hey Ryan, my dad's a Lincoln fan. What's his name? <laughs> my, my my dad he's called Phil. <laughs> yes, not not the same bloke. <laughs> <laughs> I know we we do. I sometimes wonder if we're brothers. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Same club, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Sam, I'm going to put you on the spot as as we round up the League One playoff final. Is Michael Appleton going to be the Lincoln manager this time? Uh, well, in August when the new season kicks off. I have no idea. I have no idea. Um, does he deserve another gig now, higher up the food chain? Yeah, you could argue he does. Um, although he's not, He's not finished what he probably come in to achieve at, at Lincoln, although it was a, a tough job to take over from the Cowleys. So that's why you have to say he's done outstanding work to put together a team so quickly, get them playing a completely different style. Yes, it didn't happen for them at the weekend, but they can be immensely proud of what they've done this season. The test now is going to be to be working hard off the pitch to find a few more, more diamonds. And and obviously they, they, they take really exciting loan players. I'm sure that will happen again. Montsma, the centre-half, obviously was a revelation start of the season. They'll need one or two more of them if they're going to be competitive again next year. Can I see it? Yeah, I probably can, actually. I probably can. I think he's that good a manager. And I think um, knowing the club relatively well, 
because of my dad. Um, <laughs> uh, it's a big fan base. It's got the potential to do it. So, yeah, I, I would like to see him stick around, but I wouldn't be surprised if a club in the Championship wanted to take him. Yeah, I think he's... Um, yeah, th- th- I think a team that starts badly in the Championship might turn might look to turn towards uh, an Appleton. Um, what I think he needs to do in terms of recruitment is obviously either get Rodgers and Johnson again or get, you know, like for like... He needs another defensive midfielder. That team is hugely reliant on on Bridcut, who's who's done great for them. But he, when he was missing, they weren't the same team. And and I, f- I even felt in this final, you look at the goals from the edge of the box. He can't be everywhere, Bridcut. I think they need a little bit more dynamism from a defensive-minded player in the, in the middle of the park. And that might be the the piece of the jigsaw that that helps them next year. I, I could I could see Appleton. Um leaving just to go and live off the land, snatch salmon out of the water with his bare hands. <laughs> he's, just, he's just, he's just a proper, like he's, he's a he's a man's man, is he? He's massive. And like, I'm obsessed. I can't believe how big he is. <laughs> you know what he needs though? You know what he needs? He needs an XL t-shirt. That's what he needs. No, he I don't. Needs... I, I think oh, he needs no. a vest. <laughs> it was too tight. It was too tight, that T-shirt. But that's the point, isn't it? He's enhancing it. I think he was so nice to us when he was on the pod the other week. I think I'm, he's going to be in my corner if it ever kicks off between me and Alex Neal. I'm just going to give a shout out to, to Michael Appleton. Isn't the mark of a, a, a true gym goer uh, if the legs match the, the torso? So until we see that, we can't you know, really pass comment. <laughs> Has he been skipping leg day? That's the phrase, isn't it? <laughs> I skipped it for 15 years. I think he was nice because he just knew he could dominate all of us. He was like, I don't need to be intense. I can, I can be lovely because if it all boots off, then he just he's just going to take his shirt off and make his pecs dance and we'll all just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't follow that. That's League One. But, uh, one more final to review. It's League Two. That comes next. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham, all new, Thursdays on FX, stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is the Totally Football League show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Mendes Gomez, a huge moment in his career and a huge moment for the shrimps, for the youngster against Tom King. Mendes Gomez. Mendes Gomez scores! He's done it. He's done it. That's the right side. Mistake. That mistake. Mendes Gomez puts Morecambe ahead here at Wembley in front of his Morecambe fans. There is there the final is. whistle. Morecambe are in League One. Could you believe it? 
Those are the words. Morecambe are in League One. Uh, hardly a thriller of a League Two final, I think it's fair to say, but Morecambe couldn't give two hoots about that, for it's they who will be in the third tier next season. For the first time in their history, no less our boy, Carlos Mendes Gomez scoring a controversial penalty in extra time. Um, Sam, like Ryan, you were at this one. Uh, you were at the playoff finals last season, weren't you? Did, did you notice a, a massive difference in the intensity? Ryan's kind of touched on it already with, with supporters being back in the stadium, but, but did it feel very different to, to last year? Um, not hugely, not hugely in terms of the spectacle on, on the pitch. Let me think back to last year was Northampton, wasn't it? Who very much all action, um, shall we say. So that was a really intensive performance. If I look at that in isolation, I completely agree with Ryan, uh, about the atmosphere that supporters bring. And of course we had the nice, um, dynamic between the the Welsh and the English on two occasions. So we got the two national anthems, which was a brilliant way to start the, the day. The Welsh one in particular is, uh, yeah, it's incredible. It's incredible. I mean, it's, it's hairs on the back of your neck type of stuff. So yeah, but that, that was a brilliant start. But in, in terms of the game, I thought the second half in particular was two teams playing the same system once Derek Adams, interestingly, I thought, and strangely had changed their shape after I thought they were the better team for certainly 30, 35 minutes of the first half. So once that had happened, it just kind of meandered, I felt, the second half. And then we had a spell of 10 minutes when Newport really went for it just before the final whistle, which was them saying, we want to get it done. And Morecambe, again, quite content to frustrate, uh, rely on... Lavelle, uh, Knight Percival, who was unbelievable, I thought, and, and Songa, who was back in that back three to defend their goal. So, yeah, I mean, it didn't really get going until that crazy minute in extra time when we had some excitement finally and uh, Labadee will be ruining that missed opportunity today. And, of course, the talking point is, is a penalty once again, Newport. Um, two years ago, they were really harshly uh, treated by an official uh, who missed the penalty for them, if memory serves me right. And, you know, this was a bad decision. But sympathy for the referee, because I certainly thought it was a foul, maybe outside, but I felt that there was definitely an infringement when I saw it live. What did you make of it, Ryan, from your position? I, I actually think Newport were um, hard done by not having a penalty of their own in the first half. Yeah, um, definitely. There's, there's an incident, what, 10 minutes in? Well, um Leather and shouts for a, for a long throwing that comes in gets nowhere near the yeah even in the same postcode as the ball and and he just like axe handles Bennett who gets the flick on the ball like he just punches him straight in the face he's nowhere near the ball it, it's a, it's a clear as day penalty um that, that Newport were, were were owed there so I think they um uh, Bobby Maidley missed missed that one as well um I thought the penalty that was given was kind of soft um and I thought. It, so every time I watch it, I I can't make my mind up about it because the contact starts outside the box, and I think the contact carries on inside the box ju- just a touch. Um, but it, I think I think he sells I think he sells it well because he flings himself to the ground. Um, but yeah, I mean, because there were there were a few real like rough and tumble challenges in there that were being let go, and I think to get a penalty like that was just a bit unusual considering the flow of the game. Yeah, it was a dive, Matt. It was a dive because. The way that he, so he's got his arm Haynes, isn't it? He's got his arm on O'Sullivan's shoulder, which is you know you, you shouldn't do it. Probably is a free kick, but it 
if anything, he should be pulling him. He's trying to pull him back. Yet, yet he falls to the ground, propelled forward. And for that reason, it, it, it's a definite dive. And, and, and that's why I think it's, it's extra harsh. And, and yeah, I, I think free kick on the edge of the box is, is what it should have been. Yeah. Ryan's right. I mean, that pen, that's a definite pen in the first half. So it was just one of those days. It just wasn't Newport's day, was it? I think they probably shaded it in a very mediocre game. But um, ultimately, yeah, Morecambe took their chance. What I will say about Morecambe is that I don't think over any of the three playoff games that their forward players excelled in the way that they can. They didn't explode into life, you know, and... and, and, and produce some of the magic that we've seen throughout the course of this season and didn't really look like doing that across any of the three games yet here they are promoted so well done to them is I think those two that Sam mentioned you know LaFell and Knight Percival they ultimately I think they got them over the line in the playoffs I, I always felt in in extra time because having watched them in the in the semi-final Stockton as good as he's been this season he blows up after 70 80 minutes because you know he's uh not the most mobile of center forwards does a brilliant job but um Mendes Gomez I was still waiting for him to come to the party you know is he going to produce something he still looked the most likely and it was fitting maybe not because his performances were great but that he had the final say I suppose and you know I wasn't you know, too hot on Derek Adams there because I thought tactically it was a little bit odd that change he made, but I thought the substitutions and to revert back to the four-two-three-one actually gave them a bit of impetus and the two substitutes were the players that combined. So I just thought their freshness and the timing of those changes just changed the sway of the game just as Newport looked like they were going to run away from it. So I thought Michael Flynn got his substitutes spot on as well. Collins, when he went wide, was a, a real thorn in Gibson's side for a period. But again, I thought Derek Adams managed the extra time really well. I, I thought um, I felt a little bit sorry for uh, for, for Mendes Gomez actually, particularly sort of late in the in the second half. So when Newport are really piling the pressure on it at the end, and they break and he, they have a couple of transition opportunities with him with the ball at his feet. And that he doesn't really have runners that are willing to just like really go. And you, I'm sat there thinking, like, come on, one of you, like, don't jog, run. <laughs> this is a playoff final. Give, give him an, give him it's, an it's option. It's called treading water, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> they were the shot. Day. <laughs> they were shot. Yeah. yeah, honestly, yeah, they were so tired. But the pitch, I, I've got to say, the, I think the upcoming Euros might have had something to do with the, the, the type of finals we saw. The grass was too long. I think I think they had to cut it shorter, but they're looking to to protect it. They'll get it pristine condition, of course, for for Southgate's boys later on this month. But yeah, it was it was hard for the runners to to explode into life when the pitch was as slow as it was. And it yeah, definitely, I think it made all three finals feel a little bit slow motion uh, compared to what they might have been. I cannot believe we're saving a pitch to watch this unserious team get bounced in the last 16. <laughs> Why? For, for what? What? Why? I'm taking it really seriously. I'm going to be in an Airbnb without a TV for England, Scotland. I've, uh, worked, I've, uh, I've worked out this morning. It's almost as if there's been too much football over the last year. Um, right, Sam, uh, last, lastly on this, I'm calling it Derek Adams is the manager of the season in the EFL. In the whole EFL, this is a team who hadn't finished in the top half of League Two in a decade. They've come close to being relegated more than once in that time. I think he's done the best job. It'd be great to see him have a crack at League One with Morecambe. But according to Ryan's piece, 
He's off to Bradford. Is that not a big shame? They 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 go through managers like I go through grab bags and monster munch. He's not going to be there very long. <laughs> oh man, I, I can't give it to him. I can't. Um, he tried to sign me once, and we had a very nice conversation. But he wanted me to move to Ross County, which is in a place called Dingwall. Guys, Been there, which is yeah. An, it's an hour north of Inverness. And given that I was having the time of my life in the West End of Glasgow, I decided to stay put for the three months or whatever the loan move was going to be. But he was a very nice man, but oh, I'm not sure I would have enjoyed playing for him. Um, some of his antics, even yesterday, I wasn't present when Colin Murray got a brilliant interview out of him where he just said he had absolutely zero sympathy with Newport because they got not two, which is the correct number, but three of his players sent off this season, which is just a fabricated number because I looked at the statistics <laughs> before the game. So he's gone for three just to get maximum effect at their shithousery. Um, but it was uh, factually incorrect. So I'm not sure. He's done an amazing job with, with what he's had at his disposal. And yes, it's probably the smallest budget in the EFL. He's found the way of playing. Um, so he deserves the, the utmost respect for the job he's done, but I still can't give it to him. You can't give it to him ahead of Mark Bonner, who got automatic promotion with a club, you know, not And he was a very nice man. Bigger. Yeah, in, in his first ever job as a, as a gaffer. Derek Adams, he's been there and done it, hasn't he? So, yeah, I think Bonner, I'd put above Derek Adams, even though he has been good. I'm uh, I'm giving it Michael Appleton just in case he hears this podcast um, gets 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 really mad and just starts going into a forest like squatting with with tree logs on his shoulders. So Michael, you're you're my you're my manager of all seasons, Michael. In that case, I'm giving it to Alex Neal. I don't know why they sacked you, Alex. It was ridiculously harsh. You were doing a great job. Uh, speaking of League Two managers, Mickey Mellon's gone back to Tranmere to replace Keith Hill. They say you should never go back, Clarky, but uh, I don't know. Tranmere's difficult to resist. <laughs> it must be. Yeah. Well, he's, did he get sacked? Was he relieved of his duties in Scotland? I, th- I thought that's what I read. Uh, maybe it was a mutual consent thing whereby he knew he had this lined up. Uh, yeah, it worked well before, didn't it? And Tranmere should go up. <laughs> they should have gone up this season. They, they got a very, very talented um, squad. By League Two standards, I think it's it's a, a massive disappointment that they didn't get top three, and obviously it's a huge failure that they didn't even make it to the to the playoff final with with the players that they've got. So, so yeah, it, that, he's a good good manager, got a good squad. So yeah, I expect them to go well. I wouldn't like to speculate, but the news that James Vaughan is retiring at, I think, 32, 33, really shocked me. Um, obviously, we, we don't know what's gone on or what he's um, got in store for, for his future, potentially another an, another career, maybe. But um, I felt he was really sharp in, in, in the playoffs and I, I probably felt he had another at least two or three years at it, especially at that level where um, he's a tire, tireless worker, always gets your goals. So that really took me back and that's going to be a huge miss and that's going to be the first job for Mickey Mellon to get a goal scorer. Yeah. All right. That's just about going to do us for today. Before we go though, after Ollie Turton put through his own net less than a minute into the League One playoff final, I want to know what's the worst start you've ever made to something. Now, Clarky, you've been bigging this up on the group chat that that you've got some doozies, so you've got to go first. I I wasn't bigging it up that much. I just said I got a couple. Uh, I'll only give you one because it's it's quite long. But the, um, yeah, 13 years of age, middle school, about to go up to upper school. 
and I'm at basketball club after school and it's going great and we're having fun and this fiery Scottish lad called Stuart Hamilton goes to the changing room, comes back with a broken Scotland flag that he brought into school and he says, who broke my flag, my Scotland flag? And no one said they did and and he said, Clarky, it was you, you broke my Scotland flag. And he come for me. He absolutely came for me. And 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 he got sent home. And and that was the end. Uh, I didn't break his Scotland flag, by the way. I don't know who did it. Um, so I went into school the next day. And it was the day where the upper school were there to meet you for the first time. It was your sort of interview ahead of moving to the big school. And I said to my mum and dad, I said, going to have a fight today. Uh, just, just so as you know, um, this kid's going to come for me. So yeah, went to the playground, bag on the floor. Over he, over he strolls and, and, and we have a tear up. And I win. I, I got him, got him on the floor. My, first, my only ever fight, actually. And I got him on the floor and I even waved to the crowd because he wasn't very popular. <laughs> I waved to the crowd and what did he do? He bit my bum. He bit my ass, <laughs> right? So then I've gone for a bit more, a <laughs> couple more jabs and then I've just sort of strolled in to the headmaster's office because obviously he knew what was coming. And so I had to see the headmaster who basically said, yeah, well done, son. Um, he deserved it. And uh, But the, the, the teachers from the new school were there to meet me. You know, God, I'm, I'm a little bit marked up. It's a terrible start to life at the new school, isn't it? It's like, so then you just had a fight. Uh, yeah, what, what, talk us through that one. So, so it was an awful start. But, but yeah, it got, it, it got better. And uh, yeah, the, the, the school was good to me in the end. But what a terrible first impression, even though it, was, it made for a good story. Extraordinary. I mean, Ryan, can you follow that? <laughs> Probably not. Someone bit his arse. How, can, how, do you, how do you want me to follow that? <laughs> fair, I deserved it. I deserved it for milking, milking the crowd. But yeah. <laughs> Um, no, my, mine, um, was my very first date when I was like 17 and I just called the girl by her wrong name when I hugged her. All right, Ross Geller. I don't watch Friends, so I don't get that reference. I know, I know the characters, but I don't watch the show. But yeah, like, yeah, she was called, uh, she was called Leah and I called her Leone. Oh, it's close to be fair. No, we well close, but no cigar, but it didn't, it didn't. Flipping work, did it, my David Adams? Was there a because... Leone on the scene at the time as well? Could you, yeah, why did you go with such a rogue pass name? It off as a slip of the tongue. Uh, I don't want to get into that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> right. <laughs> and oh, here is Leone. Yeah. Oh, I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk about that. I was a very, I was a very awkward, um, like seventeen, eighteen, nineteen-year-old. I'd not had the glow up. Certainly not the dashing young man that I am now with a receding hairline. <laughs> that's why I wear a lot of hats, if ever you see that. But, uh, so I think it was just awkwardness and, and nerves. And I, like, I, I'd not, like we, so we met on a night out and exchange, exchanged um, um, numbers, um, but I'd not saved the number in my phone. <laughs> so I was just texting this. And I was like, I didn't want to ask what her name was. So I was like, I'm sure it's like, begins with an L, begins with an L. And anyway, as I, t- as I turned up and like hugged her, I was like, you know what, you know what, we're going with Leona, don't matter. We've all been there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was funny. Like the bus, it was... Been, 
The bar's been set very high, Sam. Can you can you get anywhere near that? <laughs> um, I'm going to keep it football related. I was going to play to the crowd and give an old athletic one for for, for Ryan, but um, do it. Yes, 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 yes. Do it. <laughs> that, that was a that was a poor start. Yeah, so poor starts. Uh, Oldham, um, Exeter City. Before I'd even played a pre-season game. I managed to get sunstroke on Exmouth Beach. So uh, <laughs> we'd um, do a little bit of training. Paul Tisdale, very forward-thinking man, probably give the responsibility to the player. So it wasn't the most arduous pre-season I've ever faced. But So in the afternoon, I'd go off with the young lads, probably 10 years my junior, with the disposable barbecues and just uh, lap up the sun and the waves of Exmouth Beach. Uh, come QPR on the Saturday, first pre-season friendly on the Friday, I was sick as a dog. And he actually did me a favour because I went in his office to tell him and he started going on about the changing climate that I was experiencing, the changing temperature. <laughs> he went on global warming on me. I was like, if you want to put it down to hay fever, I'm good with that. I only had 12 Coronas and 15 burgers. Um, I didn't really. But um, that, that was the Exeter City's first glimpse of me was sat in the stand um, quivering. Luckily, it got, it got better and better after that. Um, yeah, mine, three goals I, I, better. I feel bad now, Ryan, because mine's quite similar to yours in that I went on a, on a first date with somebody once and we went to a bar in Clapham called The Bank. And I said to her, oh, I wonder what this place used to be. And she said, well, it used to be a bank. That's why it's called the bank. <laughs> and then we went on somewhere else and uh, it, there was a low beamed ceiling and I smacked my forehead on it and caused myself a tremendous amount of pain. Um, so that was my first date uh, with a woman who come next month will have been my wife for, for nine years. So it just goes to show you that pity can be a very, very powerful thing. <laughs> and, that, and that is where we are going to end it for today and for the season. And many thanks to Ryan, to Sam, to Adrian, to guest producer Lucy, and of course, regular producer Abby and everybody else who's joined us this season. We hope that you've enjoyed it. We'll be back for more ahead of the new campaign that probably gets off and underway in about five minutes time from now. Uh, until then, have a lovely summer and we'll catch up with you soon. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and by following at the Totally Show on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Totally Football League Show is a Muddy Knees Media production and sponsored by Paddy Power. The Athletic. Euros are here, and you'd better make the most of them because they only come around every four, five years. So if your bookie isn't making you feel special, then maybe it's time to find a new one. Yep, not so much carpe diem as carpadium. Yeah? If the grass is greener on the other side, come and play on it. If your bookie's not giving you the best rewards, switch, and you'll get a completely free £5 bet builder on all England's group games. Paddy Power. Pretty much bet builder bets only, min 2 plus legs online exclusive. Must have previously deposited to avail. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. Be